Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. You know, one of the things that makes Greenlight Guru unique is our what we call our Guru Edge. And more specifically, we have a whole team of people, medical device gurus, who have a ton of industry experience uh, prior to joining Greenlight Guru. And I thought we would try uh, something a little bit different on the Global Medical Device Podcast. I thought we would feature some of our gurus and and let you know a little bit about who they are and their background and how they work with uh, uh, customers and medical device companies all over the globe. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear, and excited to continue our Meet the Guru, I, I guess, series. I don't know if that's the right word, but Another episode with one of the medical device gurus at Greenlight Guru. Today joining me is Tom Rich. Tom is a senior medical device guru at Greenlight Guru. So Tom, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, I, I know about all your wonderfulness and how excited you are about this industry and the love you have for, for you know the helping customers your products to market. And I thought today we could just you and I have a, a conversation and, and share some of these tidbits and maybe in the process, uncover some tips and pointers that some of the listeners might be able to, to, to take back to their companies and implement. Sound okay? Yep. That sounds perfect. I'm excited to, to talk through all that. All right. So I guess before we start diving too deep, maybe 30,000 foot view or, or high level overview, let folks who you are and a little bit about your background in the medical device industry. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, from Northeast Indiana and, and with that comes a lot of knowledge of the orthopedic industry. So I, when I was a freshman in college, I went to Purdue. I knew I wanted to be an engineer, but I wasn't sure exactly what kind. And I was fortunate to get introduced to some people that worked in the orthopedic industry and uh, learned about this new program called biomedical engineering. It was new at Purdue at the time, at least, and decided that might be a cool thing to try out. So I did that. I was able to work at some contract manufacturers in college in the summers up in that area and uh, started out at uh, Zimmer when I graduated from Purdue. And that was a great place to start, learn about the industry, worked on some orthopedic implants and instruments on total knee systems there, Uh, moved over to a startup, helped them to implement a quality system at that company in the ortho industry. And then about three years ago, found myself interacting with you. I learned about Greenlight on the news and thought it might be cool to take some of what I learned in the past uh, in the medical device industry, but learn some new things in the tech industry. And that's where I find myself today. Yeah, that's it's an awesome journey. And, you know, I, I've been to the town of uh, Warsaw, Indiana. Uh, I know you have as well. It's such a strange little town, don't you think? It definitely is. It's changed a lot. So I remember when I started, it definitely felt something out there in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. Uh, 
there are great companies there, a lot of great people that work there. And I, we would bring surgeons there all the time. So there are a lot of good restaurants. There's a lake there, <laughs> Winona Lake. They've gotten even more restaurants and a lot of young people starting to get jobs there. So it's, it's a hidden gym there, I would say. It's gotten a lot better over the last 10 or so years. Yeah, I, um, my stint in Warsaw, I was doing some consulting at the time and I was actually doing some consulting at Zimmer. And I got to stay in the Z Hotel. You know where the Z Hotel is? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was a good time. But it's, it's you know, for those that have never been there who might be listening, you know, uh, Warsaw is, uh, last I checked, a town of about 12,000 people, yet the largest orthopedic companies in the world have substantial operations in this town. So everybody in that community uh, knows about orthopedic. And, and I would imagine that the med device industry is keeping that town growing like crazy. So kind of an anomaly. Yeah, they, that is true. They, they own the town. Like you said, the hotel, they, they bring people to interviews there. And I was supposed to stay there, but I think they had a big event with a bunch of surgeons in town. So of course I got the boot and uh, <laughs> I, they gave me a room at the Ramada Inn and it was like, it was in the middle of summer and the air conditioning wasn't working there. And I think oh, I slept no. like an hour before my interview. So, well, you got the job. So I wish have... I would have been in the Z hotel. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so I haven't got to stay there yet. Well, maybe someday, you know, who knows? You mentioned um, when you were describing a little bit about your journey in this industry that, you know, one day you saw some news about green light. I remember the day you called me very well and you know, I, I applaud you for, for reaching out and, you know, you were curious about this thing that we were doing at Greenlight and, you know, it's hard to believe it's been, what, coming up on three years and a couple months. So during that period of time, you've worked with a lot of companies, doing a lot of things. You've actually done a lot of things within Greenlight. I guess, share maybe some of the, your favorite parts about being a guru. What do you, what do you enjoy most? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, I mean, getting to try so many new things, that's, that was what initially drew me to, to green light, especially at the big companies. You get in a routine of doing a lot of the same things. I learned so many good things at Zimmer and uh, that was an amazing place to work. I did a lot of design matrices and a lot of risk matrices though. So uh, I was ready to, to try some new things. The startup allowed me to do that. Um, but then Greenlight, it just opened up a whole new door to uh, learning about more of the business side of things and uh, sales and working with customers and working with just different personalities. And so, you know, that kind of ties in. I, I've just met so many impressive people while working here, clients where, uh, you know, they've taken a big leap to start something on their own or, or they, they work for a startup and, and they're trying to really bring something to market that is going to help people throughout the world. And so just being around people like that, I think pushes you to want to do better. And I'm just very grateful for all the, the people I've got to, to meet and also the technology. I was very focused on mechanical orthopedic implants. And since I've come here, I've learned a lot about software as medical device. I've learned about electrical devices and IVDs. So just the exposure to so many different new things has been so cool. I mean, yeah, it's that, that term. I know when I, one of the roles that, or one of the, the things that I do with, um, especially all new hires that join Greenlight is talk to them a little bit about the medical device industry. Because not, not everybody comes in with your kind of background. 
And that term medical device is, is an interesting term because of the depth and breadth and, and variety that, that's within that. I mean, you hit on a few IBDs, software as a med device, orthopedics, electromechanical devices. It, it's really interesting to think about that term and you know, the FDA 20 regulations of 1345 and EUMDR. And I don't know, we'll, maybe we'll get into that here in a few moments, but, but well, heck, let's just do it now. <laughs> how, how does one work within the same framework, but have so many different kinds of, of devices that, that follow those same rules? Any, anything come to mind, tips, pointers, practical advice? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that was one of the things that blew my mind, actually, when I really start looking at the regulations more. It's funny because you, you get a job in the industry and you have these tasks that you need to get done and you're really focused on them. But sometimes you don't take a step back and look at the big picture of things. Like, I don't think I ever read FDA Part 820 or ISO 1345 the first five years of my career. And so uh, when I did start looking at those, I just realized it's not as complicated as you would seem to. And I think some people struggle because they they think that their industry is overly complicated or or needs to have very complex procedures and processes. But when you really break down the regulations, they're pretty simple and they're all about efficiencies and uh, making sure you document things, you can find things. And so, you know, that's the one thing I always try to help explain to clients that no matter what industry you're in, we're all starting from this same point. And there are basic principles that apply to everyone that if you do those, it's really going to help you out in the long run. Yeah. And some of the, I mean, you've done, you've had the opportunity to, you know, your primary responsibilities at Greenlight have been in the, the customer success realm. And we'll talk a little bit about that here in a few moments, but you also are very involved with the product side of things. But another area that you, you're very involved with is being a subject matter expert as part of our sales team. So all of those things considered, I mean, you've probably, I'm guessing here, you probably have interacted with, I don't know, a thousand companies. That's probably a fair number, right? Yeah, now that you say that, you're probably right. <laughs> so I'm curious about your favorite story. And you know, it could be a customer story. It could be a product story. It could be you know, talking to somebody going through the sales process to learn more about Greenlight. So what favorite stories come to mind? Yeah, for me, so I, I love the stories. This is more on the client side, customer side. I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with about three people now. They were, they're all in the ortho industry, which is kind of interesting. I mean, we try to, we try to balance things out so that the gurus get assigned people that they, they're going to be the most helpful to. So that's probably the main reason why. But uh, it, it was one-man uh, teams. And so I, know, I remember working with a surgeon who had an idea that he had come up with and he was by himself. Same with the sales rep that decided to go out on his own and start something. And then the last person was a, was a guy that um, had done some marketing at a bigger medical device company and, and knew what it took to commercialize a product, but didn't know much about the regulations. And, and they all came to us. And I think they all felt like this is going to be a really daunting task. We got a lot we need to do. Are we ever going to get to where we need to go? And it's just fun to sit down with them, explain some of the things I was just saying. You know, this this isn't as complicated as some people make it out to be. Let's look at the regulations. Let's focus on the areas that are important to you. We always talk about bootstrapping your QMS and focusing on the areas that make sense now. Worry about operations and 
and other quality things later uh, when, when the time is right. But it was just so rewarding to help those three individuals. They ended up over time hiring in some consultants to help out along the way, but they were all able to get to the point where their device was used in either a a clinical trial or or some of one of them was a class one so they were able to do an actual surgery on it the other one got their product submitted and it's just a great feeling to know that you helped somebody to get to where they wanted to go they had the idea they were all geniuses but um just to help them break it down and and, and get to where they need to go was was a lot of fun yeah and i, I think you hit on something and we have a colleague T- taylor brown who well I guess she's becoming famous for this saying, it's not that deep. And I think that that saying applies to the regulations. You know, I've been, I've been doing this for a bit myself. And, and before the green light experience, I've worked with a lot of startups that were making this way harder than it needed to be. And I think those three stories that you shared, I mean, these are, there's enough challenges that, that your company is going to be faced with just on the technical side of things if you can simplify life, especially in the areas of quality system, why not do that? You know? Yeah, definitely. I know. I think it, it is a lot, a lot of just habits that are formed, you know, like I remember leaving a big company and going to a startup. I had developed some bad habits that were probably necessary for a larger company to run. Some cases though, I know like people will get uh, observations during an audit uh, they were following the regulations just fine. There were no problems there, but they had created these internal processes that were so complicated and they weren't following them. And that got them an observation. And I remember seeing that thinking, wow, um, I just didn't even know that you could get an observation for that. And it, it really made me realize to, to keep it simple. And like you said, it's, it's really not that deep. Make sure you understand the regulations and what they say and, and you'll be fine. Well, and, and I think that's one of the the values that value propositions that that Greenlight brings to our customers is we really try to simplify it. Um, like I said, there's so many other things that demand the attention of the medical device professional, worrying about you know perfect procedures and and all these processes. Don't mishear me; those are important, but they don't have to be so complicated. I mean. I probably have shared this particular example a time or two on on the Global Medical Device Podcast, but but it's it's one that that rings true. I mean, I remember the first consulting customer that I had. Uh, this would have been back in 2006 timeframe, and I was brought in to help them, you know, kind of shore up their quality system. And a lot of the work was had already been done by somebody before me, and. Um, part of my objective was to get it buttoned up and ready for, you know, go to market and ISO certification, all those sorts of things. And a lot of the work that I was doing early on with them was re- remote. I didn't have a ton of interaction with with the actual principals of the company. But, you know, doing kind of a desktop audit, if you will, from from my location, reviewing procedures, comparing them to regulations, like, yeah, this is good. I mean, it, it makes sense. And then I actually spent some time on site. And I asked you know, one of the engineers, like, "Hey, show me, you know, your your this document," and you know, as it was defined in a particular procedure. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." I go, "Well, it's in this procedure because I've never read that procedure." And like, "Oh goodness, we've got a problem here. There's a huge disconnect." And I think that's what a lot of companies struggle with. Like, they they don't they write procedures to comply with regulations, but they don't actually reduce it to practice. I mean, 
any tips or pointers or, or stories uh, of how you've helped companies understand the importance of you know not only aligning with the regulations but actually following your procedures yeah that that is an interesting story i mean it's i i feel like there is a lot of overload when it comes to those procedures and i know everyone's attention spans are getting even shorter these days it seems like but uh you know i i think people are are going to um they're going to do a they're going to find whatever is the most efficient way to do things. You know, people generally like to to be efficient. They like to get things done. They like to take the path of least resistance. So I always think it's best to write your procedures while you're doing something. So like, obviously it's got to be pretty early on, but don't try to just sit and write your procedure without ever trying it out first. And I, I know a lot of people get into situations where they write these step-by-step instructions in the procedures and it's maybe 50 steps long. But then once people start doing it, they, they realize, oh, that's, that's a waste of time. That's not efficient. Overall, the regulations, they want to make sure your procedures are working for you to one, develop a quality product, but two, just to have a well-run company. So I, th- I always say, test out your procedures when you're writing them in a, in a practical setting to make sure they're going to be helpful. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I mean, this might be a misuse of the word, but it's almost like you're auditing it as it's happening, sort of. I mean, you may not call it an audit, but you're just making sure that, that the, the things that you're defining actually align with how you intend or plan to do business. That's, that's a really good tip. Um, as I've, I've mentioned, you've been primarily a, a part of the customer success team at Greenlight Guru. I guess maybe take a few moments and describe what your keys to customer success are? Yeah, you know, obviously what we've been talking about, keep it simple. I think that's important. Focus on what you need to now. So if you're if you're a startup and you're trying to launch a product to get all your user needs and your inputs documented, let's start thinking about risk now, but let's not worry about calibration or, or preventative maintenance on stuff quite yet. And uh, from a procedure standpoint, but also just a workload standpoint, Focus on the things that are going to uh, help you now. I think the one thing I see people struggle with all across the industry is focus. Um, there are so many different problems to solve in the medical device industry. And even now, like with COVID, new stuff coming up, people like to shift a lot. And um, I always recommend to people, especially starting out early, Make sure you have a plan, stick to it. It obviously can evolve over time, but make sure you have a clear business plan, a clear project plan, focus on the things you need to focus on now and uh, worry about some of those other things later. I've seen too many people start just designing a product and making some prototypes. Uh, They don't really know the intended use, but they want to get it out there. They realize it's a class three device. So then they're like, oh, well, we're going to change it to try to get it into a class two. And six months later, they're still in the same spot they were to begin with. So I'm a big about creating a plan, staying focused and, and not deviating too much. You know, it's, it sounds like you might have been listening on a phone call I had earlier today. I was talking to this this startup company and... You know, they're like, oh, I think we're too early to even consider green line. Like, all right, tell me more about what's going on in your world. They're like, well, you know, we by the end of this year, we'd like to be at a point where 
we're uh, ready for an IDE clinical study. Oh, okay. Well, what are you doing about your design controls? They go, oh, we're not worried about that for right now. And I, I was confused. I suspect you might be confused too. If, if somebody's in that situation, what would you suggest they do? How, how do they tackle this? I mean, you talked about user needs and inputs and risk, but you know, I, I guess if, if you've never done this before, that might seem overwhelming. So what uh, practical advice do you have for folks that might be faced with that situation? Yeah, you know, first off, I would say I, uh, I totally sympathize with you. As engineers, we, we want to build stuff. We want to test stuff. We want to make stuff. We don't want to document stuff. And I, I remember a lot of friends uh, leaving the medical device industry because, uh, you know, they could go somewhere else and work on other products and not have to document it to the same extent. And I, I remember even thinking, uh, man, I should have been a mechanical engineer. I don't know why I'm biomedical. I pretty much <laughs> kept myself locked into paperwork. But, you know, I was in the same spot. I always like to do my risk matrices at the end of a project. I like to do design controls towards the end. But, but what you realize is you're going to spend probably three to four weeks documenting a bunch of just doing paperwork, nonstop paperwork anyway, if you do it that way, because you need it for your submission, you need it for an audit. What I found is if you split it out and jot down a few user needs here today, or let's say you have a phone call with a surgeon, you write those down, put them right into green light even, and then you do a couple more the next day, a couple more the next day. It really doesn't feel like paperwork at that point. And uh, again, just kind of having a plan and, and spreading it out over time really makes it feel a lot less like paperwork. I, I can't even, I remember we had a project deadline we were trying to hit and we hadn't finished our risk matrix and we had like a week left before we were trying to hit that deadline. And our first risk meeting of the week, it was probably on a Monday. We were in there for three hours and I think we got through like two line items oh arguing about I, probability. And I know I've been there, man. I've been there. <laughs> So that made me realize don't don't keep it to the end because it just makes it a hundred times worse. Well, you know, not only does it make it worse, but at that point you're not really getting value out of it, and that's why, at least in my experience, when when I was behaving that way early on in my career, it's like that's why I kind of loathed the documentation because it just seemed like I was doing something to satisfy a procedure or check a box. And once you know, for me, it the 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 switch flipped and I was like, oh, if I do this as I'm going through the process, I can actually learn and and it actually adds value and I can actually use this information to communicate with other stakeholders. So I think that's not everybody gets there, but but when you get there and that light bulb goes on, you're like, oh wow, yeah, this is a complete difference. Yeah, for sure. I mean you're right. It 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 basically defeats the purpose to wait till the end. And uh we all have the same goal of helping people and and providing quality products and that's just not the way to do it. People always say it's, it's cliche, but if you were doing this for a family member, would you just rush the risk matrix? Probably not. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, with this next question, which, um, which part of the quality management system really aggravates or frustrates you and why? Ooh, that is an excellent question. Um, <laughs> I told you I was going to be on the spot. So yeah, you know, I from my past experience, the thing that always frustrated me the most was internal audits because 
just like everyone else, we, we did majorly as a checkbox activity. I mean, I even remember starting internal audits and, and thinking, you know, I probably need to put one or two observations on here to make it look like I did it fairly, but I don't want to do any more than two or anything like that. So I guess it's not a frustration with the um, regulation because I think internal audits can be extremely helpful. Just if anything, as a, as a trial run for how your actual audit's going to go. But, but I never really looked at it that way. I, I looked at it as just checking a box, um, putting a little evidence on there. So I always tell people now, you know, this is your, this is your shot to, to prove that you're ready for a, um, uh, an audit. And I know, I remember right before I came here, they started doing the unannounced audits, um, from the on the yeah. MDB, so uh, that's one area that I think people kind of—I don't want to say slack, but cut some corners that I don't think you should. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Your internal auditing process should be very robust, and and I always advise people that it should be—you should be way tougher on yourself than any third party is ever going to be. The time to, to find out the the gotchas and. And the oh shits and your systems is not during an FDA uh, inspection or an ISO audit. You should find that internally first and have an opportunity to improve that. So I think that's a really good tip. Yeah, I think people like when those audits happen, they're just, it's a terrible feeling to not know how it's going to go. And there's no reason why you should even be in that spot. Like you should have a pretty good idea based on your internal audits, how the real thing's going to go. And it just cuts back on the anxiety a lot. For sure. So uh, working on uh, wrapping up our conversation today, tell us a little bit about uh, Tom Rich, the human. I mean, what, what are some things that, about you that you enjoy that, that, that you're willing to share with the listening audience? Yeah, definitely. So I am married and have three kids. So I have three young boys and, and that has changed my hobbies significantly. <laughs> I've got a, a, a five-year-old, a, a three-year-old and a almost one year old he's 11 months old so uh we i have a great time with him we do a lot of things outside we like to ride bikes we like to play football play basketball my oldest is really getting into golf now and uh nice i realized i have a lot of practice to do because i think once you have a kid you're like you got to be kind of good in front of them so uh, <laughs> I, I've had, I need to start practicing a little bit more there but um like that kind of stuff we've been doing a lot of house projects so I've been trying to work on getting a little more handy there so uh the the quarantine I was majorly dreading it but it's been good in some ways because I've got to spend more time with those guys and then also picked up some new skills around the house that nice. I probably wouldn't have Nice. We'll have to have you and another one of our colleagues, Wade, compare notes. I know Wade's always talking <laughs> about his home projects, but um, anything else that you think is important for, for listeners uh, to know about you or, or um, customer success at Greenlight or Greenlight Guru in general, or just you know being a medical device pr- professional before we wrap things up today? Yeah, you know, I mean, I know the people that work with us directly are, are well aware of this, but our guru team is so passionate about the medical device industry. We love working with customers. Uh, we've worked with enough now that we've seen so many different situations along the uh, regulatory pathway and design controls and may- gotten a lot of good feedback from how audits go. And I think it's important for people to know that we're, we're always open to, to providing 
support or advice, even if you're not a client and you have questions. Uh, we love meeting new people and, and learning new things and trying to give you tips along the way. So much of this industry is about have you done it before and, and about experience. And so uh, it's a great place to work and we love interacting with the industry. No, I appreciate that share. And, and folks, I, I have to echo what, what Tom says. And I, I don't know how I can prove or disprove what I'm about to tell you, but I have high confidence that Greenlight Guru has the most knowledge about anything and everything you could ever face as a medical device company than any other resource out there. Uh, you can confirm that through our, our blog and our, our amazing content through you know our other episodes of the Global Medical Device Podcast, all the webinars, or pick up the phone and call us, or you know just work with our team. So I uh, encourage you all to take advantage of that. You know we're um, we are a very uh, the Guru team is very much an, an altruistic group of people. Uh, we love what we do. We're passionate about medical devices. Uh, we very much eat, breathe, sleep the mission of improving the quality of life uh, because you know we know how important medical devices and, and these technologies are to improving humanity. So if there's anything we can do to help you, just reach out to us. Go to www.greenlight.guru, uh, learn more about our software platform and, and our products and services, and uh, we'd be happy to have a conversation with you. As always, oh, I guess before I wrap up, let me thank Tom Rich, Tom Rich, Senior Medical Device Guru at Greenlight Guru. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. All right. And as always, this is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear, and you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.